Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blue. That's a um, black nerd. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. All right, Corner Kids, we're back with an all-new episode. Jennifer Covington is here, and it is the season of love, and we're back after 10,080 minutes. Kudos to producer Sarah Brown for calculating how many minutes it's been since our last episode, but we're here to talk about the groundbreaking musical, rent because it must be forget cuffing season it must be crying season we'll cover you with all the emotions and our favorite characters while dreaming of a restaurant in santa fe but i should tell you we shed some tears again it is crying season because we honor the late jonathan larson with a review of tick tick boom on netflix and it's another day of talking about lin-manuel miranda and has he redeemed himself from uh, in the Heights? I mean, I sort of. I mean, at the same time, also, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda, he was a producer on the film. But anyways, has he redeemed himself? We'll find out. Speaking of legends, we discuss Stephen Sondheim. We have lost a legend. He helped shape musical theater today through his many one songs of glory. Speaking of covering bases, we discuss the casting of Amazon Prime's new series of Lucy and Ricky, because we love Lucille Ball, we love uh, Desi Arnaz, we love them, but guess who's getting cast? We discussed, and there is controversy on controversy. And Aaron Sorkin might have some explaining to do when it comes to this casting. Then in the main corner, the bigger they come, the harder they fall. Join us as we talk about Netflix's Harder They Fall and the Wild Wild West and the true folks behind these characters that I'm going to tell you the history about these characters. And you're going to be like, where the hell was that character? I didn't see them on screen. They need their own movie. These legends of, of yonder, these legend historical cowboys and cowgirls and folk of the day and yeah just get ready you know what you're gonna get ready to do you already know because you're already doing it you're gonna get ready to learn laugh and play it right here right now on an all-new minority corner let's get into it boom 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 jennifer covington's here da 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 ba now it's just a big giant musical because you're here pretty appropriate for the topic <laughs> oh it's you know i feel like as we're rounding out the end of the year and i felt like we had to bring jen on to just help us get into this end of the year season seasons of love oh if my you will. gosh so we're really rolling with it minutes uh this time of year always reigns of rent because i i uh, obsessed with that musical you learned are? it, it 
obsessed. Like I was, cause I, I, I didn't learn about it until much later though. Like really diving in. I remember the, the commercials, 1995, like rent was happening, but it wasn't until my first class in college was Broadway, a Broadway, a Broadway musical class. And we studied and listened to the music of front. And it's so <sighs> interesting because you can listen to that entire album and you know, and the it's entire the musical because they it's sing the song thing. everything. It's they do sing song the whole thing. You don't miss a beat. And so then when the movie came out, so like that was 2000, what was that? 2003. And then the movie came out, I think 2005. Uh, I think I think it was like two years later. Uh, oh. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was like, I think it was 2003, 2004. Um, and I, Christopher Columbus directed it, which now looking back, that man had no business directing that movie. But, you know, he did the best that he could. And I was obsessed with that when I was like a film major and I would watch the director commentary to everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you would hear certain parts of like he was like oh i filmed this part wrong or oh i didn't really get this and now he just made it's all these tragedy. mistakes people care about it so much so much but i will say i'm glad the movie version exists. does exist it's I so nice it's to get the visual representation i cry like a baby every time two parts will always get me oh i'm gonna get emotional right now oh don't can I cut in? Yes. So we can, <laughs> yes, you can. So we Don't can let me share. cry. Don't let me cry on this I show. know, because <laughs> it's it's been right there for me regarding <sighs> all these works, right? But yeah. I, too, we always find out like just like how deep it goes with us. I, too, am obsessed with Brent. And if so I obsessed. had an obsessive like personality, I would have been like decked out in the outfits all the time. Like, mm. same thing. So and then you were calling out years. I was like, now, how do I track my years? Because... I feel like it was a smash on Broadway, but I was a little bit later. But as you were talking, it was definitely 2001 for me when I mm-hmm. saw it, also in college. And so mm. I was in school in Missouri, born and raised, right? And so the musical meant so much to me because it was yeah. talking about all these issues that I cared about that were so taboo, like in Missouri, you know? And, you know, just saying things like people living, not dying with disease and stuff. And I was, yeah. I was doing so much, you know, AIDS advocacy. And so... It meant just so much. And same thing. So um, I'm actually going to see Rent. Rent's in San Francisco. And I'm going to go <gasps> oh, on Saturday. Snap. Wait. Okay. I need to go get me my tickets. I didn't know. I didn't it. know you were obsessed. I am obsessed. I saw it once at the Hollywood Bowl. And I can't remember if either I, I saw like it was, at, I think Wayne Brady was in it. And I want to say it was either, I'm trying to think who played, who played Mimi. I think it was either Nicole. No, it was Vanessa Hudgens and oh, Nicole really? Schwarzinger oh. from the Pussycat Dolls. Oh, I know. She played she's Maureen. A oh, she really? played Maureen, and she's like slayed it. It was she's so, so good. good. And then I'm pretty sure Anthony Rapp was in it uh, as well. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Pretty pretty amazing. Vanessa Hudgens. Is she, she was. I think she wasn't. She wasn't ready for it. I love it, but uh, here's what I love about Vanessa Hudgens. She's just always trying to fit in where she can get in. She's like, yeah. "Can I try this?" And we're like, "Okay, Vanessa, <laughs> and it's like, sure." And like, it's her lane. It is like musical singing, you know. Well, so yeah. But it's uh, and she. I just always find it. Maybe because like I peripherally saw her in High School Musical. I don't think I've sat through right. a single one, but Same. you see the commercials. That's you get the you point of it. You're like. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, she was in Sucker Punch and Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch. And it was like mm-hmm. sexy girls fighting. And she was in that. And then she was like playing 
uh, Mimi and being like, oh, like, ooh, it's kitty cat, yeah. sexy. And it's just, it just that is always. That could have been but, Nicole high key. She could have done Well, both. I mean, Nicole can do anything. Yeah, I it's mean, like she could have done she... both. <laughs> but uh, she's like, I'll play both roles. Thank you. I, but the thing with, but <laughs> Vanessa Hodgins, at the same time, Vanessa Hodgins was in Bad Boys 3 and she plays like uh, a SWAT team member and she's got like, you know, we legit cool saw girl. that in the theater, like when Star Wars <laughs> premiered. Like, that's how deep we care about bad boys. I just want you to know. <laughs> and I'm like, was she now? <laughs> she was. Cause she, and she had that cool girl hairstyle. You know, when they only oh, have, like, that's it's right. either, like, it's, like, shaved half the side of it off. Or it's, like, braided side. I'm yeah, irreverent. it's, like, yeah. I'm cool. I only need, like, asymmetry. So... So, 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 okay, we both love, love Rent. I cry like a baby. I just, I'm gonna yeah, go we will legit cry. Time. So that's why I was like, okay. Yeah, every no, you time can Angel, say it. Angel. When Angel, I just, I'm gonna, oh gosh. And then uh, I'll cover you reprise. I'm done. Oh, I'm done. I used to it listen to that me. on repeat. Even my mom, <laughs> who kind of like has, is kind of a robot, she's like, this is good. She's like, now that's yes. the musical. I well, like, I've you. I've tried to oh. sing it as an audition song and I can't make it through. I but just, in the shower, I bet you're unmatched, <laughs> like myself. So there you go. Oh man, it's like it's like I am singing to my long lost love. And then like even but the movie just brings the visual representations of it. Even it ends with like a shot of Angel. Like I, it, Spike Lee apparently yes, wanted to direct it for that. the longest time, which he absolutely should have because Spike Lee has such a love for MGM and musicals. I would and he has a love for a New York. Then. Yeah. And there's and even knows a reference to how to make to him. it its own character. Yeah. And there's even a line in between, Will you light my candle? He goes, And I think Spike Lee's shooting down the street. Bah, yeah. Humbug. Humbug. Yeah. Bah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, okay. So then let's go to. Let's. Why are we talking about rent? Because on the list of things we're talking about, Tick Tick Boom is on Netflix. Watched and it last night. It is I and I knew when I put this on, I'm like, I'm probably gonna cry today. Like yeah. I just knew. <laughs> it's just the music I of Jonathan Larson much. and the story of Jonathan Larson is heartbreaking. <sighs> I remember even when I watched the Rent DVD, they have a behind the scenes, like a two and a half hour behind the scenes. And my friend and I were watching it. And we're like, how are we also crying watching the making of this movie? Because it's the making John of. The making of. And the trap, like Jonathan Larson, writer, creator of Rent, just genius, never got to see Rent done in a full production. He had got a brain aneurysm like the night before. Like the night before heart fucking breaking and his music is so brilliant you just think about like oh we have to like suffer through all this andrew lloyd Webber, like he just yeah. <laughs> with all these things Which i we have, have a had... space in my heart for that too like <laughs> sure time and place there's a time, time and place. place yeah but i just think about like all the creations from jonathan larson that are missing that we didn't we didn't get and so i knew tick tick boom is about jonathan larson and How played he spent by eight An years working on a certain piece right suburbia yes and so it's interesting because here's the thing that i don't know and listeners you might be well more versed in me or than or even jen so the there's tick tick boom which is another musical that he wrote right but this movie is about the creation of suburbia right it, okay so is it like a is this like a mashup of the two i should have googled something the listeners are yelling at me. You yes. know the rent heads are going bananas right now. If I was I'm more sorry, committed, I would be a I rent head. Realize. I thought we were just going to, you know, talk about this stuff. But, like, 
I think like I think like I love like again beautiful casting like you know diverse colors. Vanessa and love is it. also there. <laughs> there we go. Vanessa Hudgens, <laughs> she's back because if she there's rent, she's gotta figure her way in there. She's gotta figure her way in there. Yeah. Um, Alexandra Ship, who played New Storm, Young Storm, and the yeah the reboots of X Men. I didn't know she could yeah. sing. Yeah, she was singing. And when they had that diner scene, I was like, oh, I know, that's <sighs> Cheetah. That's like, I knew certain people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let Felicia me see. Felicia Rashad. Ca- right? And I was like, I bet you those are two um, Shiler sisters. I was like, they have Hamilton Renal all over them. Yes, so then they we are. started to look. And I was yes. like, oh, it's Sprinkle. I was like, I can't go too deep. Because I was like, I feel like the guy that asked for challah bread was like the phantom and the phantom. So I was like, I, it's actually, a, these are deep it, cuts. Once And, and Lynn was a, in the, the cook. So I was like, oh. He was a cook. There's a beautiful diner scene where it's just like a who's who of like Broadway legends are just like popping up in it. But yes, it was absolutely the Skylar sisters from uh, Hamilton like, popping <laughs> on up. They're like, we need mimosas. And they just start singing. Yeah. Or like Bernadette at the door. Peters. Bernadette Peters. The guy that was at the door, which again, I'm probably defaming like some total respected legend. But you could just, you could tell like the distinguished mm-hmm. where I was like, I feel like that's someone I should know. And some people I was like, oh, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. So they're all up in there. I didn't even get time to research that. Oh, I was yes. just like, it's it such just, a deep cut. I was like, stay in. in the moment. Just be here with the movie. Cause, and it's yeah. like, it's it sort of, it feels like a prequel to Rent. Because Rent it was does. so much about Jonathan Larson's experience. Right. Being in Bohemia around his friends and living right. in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. And you see this as a, this happened before he was even, you know, writing that. Such a, a personal right you know, story. And he really wanted to write things that, that really mattered. I thought Andrew Garfield, can we just talk about this man for a second? That man, he did so fucking talented. I knew he was talented and I'll tell you how I knew he was talented. And his Spider-Man, he was giving such a tour de force of a performance, so much emotion to Peter Parker, which I think was more emotion than anybody wanted or asked for. So like, get out of here, emotion. (laughs) He's like, this is who I am. He was so, he was so good. And so it didn't surprise me. I feel like he really became kooky cat Jonathan Larson. Totally. You definitely get lost in it where he's, that's a true actor, you know, where you're, and to, to play someone that has been kind of like a real person um, mm. It's such a challenge, and you were totally lost in it. Yeah, he was phenomenal. And his, he got a great voice. It was so there. I love the relationship between him and, and his Michael. best friend. And Michael, with that story, it just it's so touching. They have my favorite number is when Michael moves into the apartment <laughs> and they do a dance together. And I just love it. I'm like, yes, absolutely. There are f- close friendships where one yeah. just is, happens to be gay, but they love each other. And yeah, it's like we're, just, we're waltzing because we are friends, you know, like yes. we love each other. And I'm celebrating <sighs> his come up because mm. his come up's my come up. And it's yeah, I thought that was cool, too. We're all we're all winning. So I go like you know, Snapsel and Manuel Miranda. I thought I did a really great job. He's bouncing back from his producer snafu with uh I don't know how much could be blamed on him in the heights because people were like, Oh I wasn't as clued in the colorism uh Mm. debacle, which is absolutely absolutely true. I but I felt like in this one I don't know, like maybe he had more of a hand in it of the casting. I'm not sure. Mm. But I thought he just is a really brilliant sense and he loves Jonathan Larson so much and I'm sure this was such like a heartfelt send out for him and I know that he feels 
Like he wants to continue Jonathan Larson's legacy of not just doing waspy Broadway yeah. musicals that have no point, no heart, no soul to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're both kind of like the grandchildren of Sondheim, which is also. <sighs> yes. So and that, so, it was so in time. So Stephen Sondheim, it was so sad because I, I watched Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. Stephen Sondheim, there's a, 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 his fictional person portraying him right, in it. Right, he's in it, yeah. He's in it. And I didn't realize how Can much Stephen Sondheim had a connection. Yes, yes, please. Well, no, finish what you're saying, sorry. Well, I was just going <laughs> to I was like, no, this can no, wait. No, uh, Get this out of here. Uh, but, like, yes, I didn't realize how much Stephen Sondheim, like, had really sort of, like, in some ways, like, mentored Jonathan Larson and saw something him in mentor. him. Yeah. Oh, so, you wow. know, when he's listening to the voicemail, which which I feel like that voicemail, you know, he was teetering on, like, do I give it up? Should I have more hope? Which yes. he then went on to do the musical Rent, right? But that voicemail is act- the actual voicemail. That's actually his voice. <gasps> Because, no of course, way. Lynn would have access to that. Isn't that something? I'm going to cry right now. I know. That's what I'm saying. You can't That's bring up the stuff. So it's too much. Layered. Happy holidays. We're going to spend the time so crying. Bye. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> Grab your tissues. Cry we'll through cry the together. holidays. Oh, gosh. But I, do lo- I, love a good, I love a good cry around the holiday time, though. It's well, so cathartic. Goodness. You watch a good, like, you know, movie I'm like so Rent or even Tick, Tick, Boom. It gets and- dark at 430. I I do not need assistance. Like, no. Can I cry in the summer where you can already back? there? Yeah. <laughs> someone's like bumping music and down the street and you're like, oh, oh yeah. Flip flops, booty shorts. Let's go. But you start crying now. It's like, oh my gosh. See you in February. Uh, and so, I mean, just Stephen Sondheim, what, and it's so interesting. I'm watching the movie and I'm just like, wow, it's amazing. Stephen Sondheim is still alive. And then literally the next day, isn't that um, something? And we, but the man just like really helps shape so much. Yeah. Broadway it's like, what more must and, he do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's like one of those things like, oh, here's what I was thinking. I'm just grateful. Like I got to live in the same time as Stephen Sondheim. It's one mm-hmm. of those moments of appreciation that I'm like, I got to live in it around that time. Other people will get to like just watch his works and you know, right. oh wow, what an amazing man. I got to live during the same time as Stephen. It's Sondheim. true. It's that legendary. It is that legendary. And you know, you don't realize I didn't even realize how much of his works are throughout, you know, just like there's this video of Billy Porter actually singing uh, on the break at the Gram uh the Tonys. Where he's yeah. singing Gypsy, though. And so then I, like, share that with my husband who wouldn't care normally. But now we sing it all the time. <laughs> but that's Sondheim, you know. Or, yeah, again, like, Hamilton and Rent are, like, the grandchildren of that, you know. Because he yeah. mentored them. And so um, there's just so many that are, like, Send in the Clowns used to be, like, my mom and uh. sister's favorite song. They used to cry all the time listening to that. And go. that's him. You know, that's from a musical. But it was also on the radio. So there's, like, even if you're not an enthusiast, his music and works, West Side Story. You know the it. I was literally yeah. just gonna say, and very. I'm so sad because there's the new Steven Spielberg version of West Side Story, and Steven's uh, not gonna be able to get to see it. This new, the theme maybe of he like, did see it. Maybe he, he got a private did, screening. But the same way of like yeah. Jonathan, like uh, uh, so, oh, in some ways yeah. you're kind of like, I'm sure yeah. he saw it, but mm. it there, you know, it's just like the premiere they're not going to see and there's this weird theme of like your life's work or i don't know like completion even because it does it feels like well i guess they were complete like that and and what a life or like or what a legacy is too much for me legacy (laughs) but i think that's the beautiful thing is that like that was that was 
That was Jonathan Larson's mission. He had that one. He had this. He it's had this. So obviously, this, so right. That was. That was it. It was so wrapped. It was so poetic. And I mm. love that we're still finding ways to like. When you listen to Tick Tick Boom, you're like, oh, this is Jonathan Larson's sound. I've only yes, ever heard of Rent. It's, and so oh, it was so I nice. Was experience. like, oh, this is his sound. Okay, uh-huh. I love it. I love it. It's I the all experience. the different music styles. He does it all. He does. He does the gospel. He does funk. He does rock. He just mm-hmm. he hits on all of it. And so just what a brilliant man. Yeah. We just spent the entire episode singing his praises. You know, just to be on the flip side to balance the equation, Ooh. you know whose praises we are not gonna sing. Yeah. I feel like I had to look at this deeper. Um, so Aaron, I didn't know this was happening, or maybe I did and I forgot about it. So there is and this is already gonna be a challenging thing to do. So coming soon to Amazon Prime, um, mm-hmm. it's the story of um uh, Lucy and Ricky from I Love Lucy. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. <laughs> Where are we going? So it's the story of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Um, and you'll never guess who's playing who. Yeah, guess who's playing Newt Lucy? Who is that? Skojo? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but that does seem like something she would be getting herself into. And getting I into. She would be like, oh, let me get, because she's always getting into some role she has no business being in. I will even go on a whim. She like, it took me 10 years, it took me a long time to accept her as Black Widow. Like, she was, was not my wow. like first five choices. Yeah, Black I could Widow see that, was though. supposed to be like a Russian spy, and she never really oh. gives you that. She just is no. always like, oh, I'm an American girl. Like, even yes. in her, I love the Black Widow movie, but even in that last one, it just, it, you know, it, I didn't anyways, know she was supposed but, to be like a Russian spy, right? But she, you know, won me over after 10 years. Like, okay, you my, you, you my Black it's Widow. It's called like, being worn down, but sure. You can call it <laughs> won over. Meanwhile, <laughs> I will say, uh, Florence Pugh, who plays her sister, Yelena, who's essentially taking over Black Widow. One movie hit it, knocked out of the park. I'm like, oh, that's my uh, Black Widow. Like, that's, she's uh, so wow. good at it. So, not ScarJo in this. It's somebody else who I do love, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, some of her choices oh, lately. Nicole Kidman no. is playing Lucille Ball. I and I just that. don't know who, I don't Did you see who, Nine Perfect Strangers? I did. I did. I did. I, it's, I feel <laughs> I'm just going to make a sour face I, and then just let you I, do all the talking. I want to love, I love the idea of Nine Perfect Strangers. I love the entire cast. You know, Regina Hall. I, love the cast. The cast was great. What's her face? Melissa McCarthy. Melissa. Mm-hmm. I, what's that guy who's always playing some Bobby, Bobby Cannavari. So, yes. Mm-hmm. I just, it was a great cast. Love it. It just was a while. It was a Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. That guy from. It um, was. <laughs> what was that guy? The guy, I forget his name. The but dad. He was in, oh, well, the dad is, was amazing as well. Yeah, he's, he's such a good actor. He gave a monologue about his, he had a, he had some amazing monologues in it. Yeah, I he's would say. good. He had a, a monologue about, because um, the, they're all, uh, Nine Perfect Stranger, they're all at like this expensive ass like getaway retreat place to he- retreat to heal through their heal. trauma and, and it's based off of a book which you can tell i was like this feels like reading <laughs> <laughs> with and all like the plot is. twists and like coming from different angles and things like that but I, he had yeah. a great monologue that uh was about like when he his son committed suicide and that's what him and his family were there to you know recover from Trigger warning and yes um and so <laughs> too late sorry um <laughs> listen it's the holidays get the tissue it's time to cry it out, get it. Cry it out. if you aren't prepared already <laughs> <laughs> um 
but he gave a monologue about that regret and, and wishing he like blaming himself and i could relate yeah. like i think there's many it's like i know like when my when my, my roommate noah you know died mm, like you mm -hmm. have this blame on yourself he his words were so freaking pitch perfect and wow. I, I thought that was a that was episode three and that's when i'm like oh this show is great and then yeah it went on it's mr toad's wild ride i finished it did you finish it of course you have to because you're like <laughs> i'm so intertwined in these people's lives oh and it but anyway nicole yeah the point so was she, i was also just a little distracted by her her accent it got better as the season went on because you could tell they probably filmed it in order her russian accent <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I start like look just looking at her and it's always like, oh, it's Nicole Kidman, you know, and the fact <laughs> that she's being like a kooky retreat leader. I was like, I can o I it, like almost had to be that, you know, yes. so for it to be Lucy, I'm still going to be like, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to transcend. Yeah. And I feel like she's do such a great and I don't mean just I love a Nicole Kidman. Don't I like her. Wrong. Too. Love her. And I she's just... also Hollywood legend. So like respect too. love it. I love it. But I just think sometimes me, I don't know. I just remember I'm getting flashbacks of Bewitched. I was reading, rooting for her. I was like, yes, you play this role. You play it. And then was just like under underwhelmed. I, I don't know. Was Anna Ferris not available? I feel like she would be an amazing oh, Lucille wow. Ball. Like, yeah, that's true. You know, the, yeah. Just like, and so the other controversial casting. So aside from Nicole Kidman, if you were like, oh, that must be But are be people it. up in arms about that? Uh, no, their focus is on the, who oh. they cast as Desi Arnaz. Mm -hmm. Javier Bardem is playing Desi Arnaz. Who I like him. He is great, but Desi Arnaz is of Latinx descent, and Javier Bardem is Hispanic. And there's a difference because mm -hmm. Hispanic is being of, like, you know, Spanish-speaking, like, origin. He's not Latinx mm. as part of the, mm -hmm. you know, I issue that is, is happening here. And um, I don't know. Aaron Sorkin just had a really whack sort of like defense and a a explanation of why it was okay um, for him to do do oh, this casting. Huh. So I don't know. He's like he's like, like sorry, my oversight. Well, he was like you know I he said something to the say of like you know by he talks about you know oh this is what he says. <laughs> And then it's another thing where it just gets worse. We're like, oh, this is interesting. Can we, um, you know, can we, can we go there? He goes, you know, by the way, he goes, you uh -oh. know. You already <laughs> starting off wrong. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay. Actually, wait. Before he says, by the way, he says something else. So he says, so Javier is Spanish and the casting consultant was fine with it. Because I guess there was a, a casting consultant who she is Latinx. So he's like, well, she was okay with it. And yeah. they were considering Brazilian actors as well. Um, and the consultant was Brazilian, I guess, as well. Um, but they were like, well, Brazilians aren't considered Hispanic because they speak Portuguese. So Javier mm. is Spanish and the casting consultant was fine with it. And he says, um, and he says, you know, but I want to tell you my opinion. <laughs> he says, Spanish and Cuban aren't actable. Okay. They're not actable. By the way, neither is straight or gay. And he's uh -oh. like, you know, talking about how, like, you know, there's a movement for that, you know, uh, straight actors shouldn't play gay roles. And I want to put a pin there before I continue. Part of the issue is, is what we're, people are saying is that so oftentimes, um, for one, there's so many gay actors who are just not getting work. And it's like, well, you have yeah. this gay role. Instead, you're casting a straight person and then they go on right. and win 
the Oscar, whereas like if a gay character, a gay person is playing a gay character, they're least le- less likely to win an award because they're like, oh, they're not really. There's no stretch mm, for them. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, oh. you know, we know that blackface is demeaning because of its historical context, because Why you're making you ridiculous cartoon there? characters out of the people. He goes, he talks about, you know, Mickey Rourke uh, in Breakfast at Tiffany's and how, you know, that was bad. He's pretty much saying that's not what this is. Um, and he he's 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 fine with it. And I guess but he's saying Luce, it in response to people saying like, yes, it is. Or I mean, they're not. No one said blackface. I'm sure he brought. Yeah. But, why was that? Yeah. You brought mind? that up. And I guess Lucy and Desi's uh, Cuban American daughter didn't have a problem with it. So, you know, there's that. I think people are just bringing up questions of you just seem there just always seems I to think be a people leaning. are asking Hollywood to do better, though. That's the thing. Like, yeah. It was there no one else or the point he's saying such and such can't be acted, which could be argued. But the point is, again, a systemic situation where it's like, but you're also etching out like, were they the best, 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 best select for the the role? And that's the argument. Like, maybe, probably not, because especially since these are already Holly, like Lucy and Desi are people that we know, like they could have gotten two unknown actors, you know, mm-hmm. to. Yeah imbue these people you know breathe life into that way you're not just seeing so. Nicole Kidman run around in the Lucy wig and you're like oh look yes, at Nicole Kidman <laughs> that's more distracting right I'm gonna be like look at Nicole's outfits but and you know what and right? some actors are not transformative and that's not a bad thing like not everyone can mm-hmm. be Meryl Streep or even like Andrew Garfield I would say is a transformative actor he I lose really, he I'm became convinced. Jonathan Larson right like Halle yeah. Berry not transformative actress but she's amazing when she just is like doing you yeah know, takes the screen right yes Nicholas Cage, same thing. Not that transformative, but he can just call him Nicholas the whole time. (laughs) You're like, look at Nicholas Cage. Look at him yelling. And he Uh does a good yelling. Like he he yells very well. And it's not easy to do too. Like some people like, oh, you know, they're playing the same character all the time. Listen, let's put you in front of the camera and see what you do. Like it's hard to play yourself or play someone around yourself and you know, so it that's you know, a totally fine thing. I think yeah, like you said, people are just asking like questions and it seems like there still is this tendency to lead lean towards like white european like even here in the in, with you know black actors like they'll sometimes go and cast like a black british actor right yeah um to play like a historical figure and it's always kind of like a heartbreak over here because we're just like oh man yeah. it would have meant it will and mean like what something. an honor to have played yeah it just will mean and figure. not that that person can't play it but it, it just means something it means something different. So Since it's, the pool, we think, I imagine, is big enough, you know? And yeah. I, so I think, and to have that kind of response where it's like, I mean, we're not doing blackface. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa Who's gonna, that? You know, it's like, we're who just Who said asking, anything about blackface? You <laughs> yeah, escalated. Like, where are you coming from? But it's like, there's no humility in just being like, oh, I could see where we could have done better or how this was an opportunity. That's all. Like, it's fine. Like, they'll do great. It'll be fine. But there's also an opportunity, especially since they, it's not a story of, you know, two white actors It you mm-hmm. know, he's Cuban. And that's part of the story, you know, that he's co- he came out, you know, came up and was famous and all that kind of stuff when that to have a person of color and then their interracial, you know, marriage. Right. So it yeah. wouldn't have been it just it's just an opportunity, you know, yeah. and, and all the public I feel like is probably saying is like, oh, you missed it. And instead of being like, huh, he could have been like, you know, that's something to think about. He's coming back with like and by the way. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the, it's just not. Well, and I think, too, the other thing to think about is, as well, is, like, 
Spain was a colonizer, right? They and so right. that's the that's other the layer to part it. Of it. And so there's folks within well, the like Latin dad are having, you know, conflicting issues with because it's like part of their, you know, the, the colonizer coming in here. So it is and sometimes people not everybody in Spain considers themselves some of them will I see their profiles when I'm on the dating app and it says white. And when I see that when I'm in Barcelona and they consider oh, themselves shoot. to be white. And so, which is, and yeah. so there is that I other layer. I had an Italian friend who considered himself white. I was like, all right. <laughs> okay. You do you. Both. You can. But you know what? It's that again, people clamoring because they see how tasty that, you know, white, prim- white privilege and supremacy is, even though they maybe don't admit it. And so they're clamoring into it. And so it's just interesting you know, sometimes like Javier Bardem or even Penelope Cruz will be, you know, playing all these like, you know, Latino mm. roles or at least Latinx roles when it's like it is it's it's just an interesting it's interesting to do. I will say that. And I, I think it's complicated because, again, you're talking about people who are hailing from the colonizing country and right and are not actually necessarily considered part of the Latinidad um, there. So, well, that is lovely. You said you had something to tell me, and I don't remember what it was. So maybe do you remember what it was? Shoot. You're like, I'm gonna wait till we record, and then it's gone. Oh, oh, it was just gonna be that I saw Tick Tick Boom oh, yesterday, okay. I think, or that I'm going to go see Rent this weekend. Uh, it wasn't shall juicy. We? Shall we, shall we, shall we. I had, I didn't even think about it, but I just saw it was coming. I was like, I've seen Rent a lot of times, and so I was like, you don't need to see it again. But I'm like, I love it. Oh, but I can tell you some background about it too. So love it and you know what it is when you have that kind of love so my hubs he who already isn't like huge into musicals but he did get bitten by the hamilton I mean, bug so I'm like, now who you know <laughs> i'm saying but you know some yeah it's true, right. <laughs> who didn't it's, anybody it's, who's like, then, then it's like humbug hamilton walk away immediately, <laughs> immediately. but he really got like, it, it but, you know, and that's what these artists have given us, though, where it's like if you were like theater, theater kid or theater adjacent, mm-hmm. like no one ever got it. Like while you're just like singing it all the time and you're feeling so free and love it and it's tragic, but then it's happy. And then, you know, it's like it takes you on a ride and people didn't get it. And I feel like Hamilton became an equalizer. It's like now oh, you right. see, yeah, yeah. you that's see true. how you're like playing it, the music as you do your daily chores. Yes. And, you know, it's like when it gets mm. you. Sometimes when I have like a heavy um, work project, I, I have to put it on in the background. I'm like, inspire me, Hamilton. I'm like, like I'm running out of time. Gotta get this done. Like I'm running out of time. I, but then don't, I can't concentrate. It's like, I'm only singing. I'm acting. <laughs> I remember we were listening to it just like passively, but we're like crying during, you know, the sun. Oh, it's like, we're in, we're yeah. too involved. There's supposed to be background music. <laughs> <laughs> oh no where it's like he's they're dealing with the impossible or something it's like uh oh so my favorite now we're going to hamilton tangent merry christmas to you happy hanukkah and kwanzaa <laughs> mm. um mm. <laughs> happy new year happy winter solstice <laughs> uh all the things but my one of my favorites is the one when the other skylar sister the older skylar sister recounts like what happened for her? Oh, she's like rewind, uh, rewind, uh, rewind. Oh, it's so good, so and she I just like hits those beats and those notes. Yes. And you're like, oh, I feel like I heard that song before the musical, and I was like, oh, I was not ready. I was like, oh, they going off. Okay, okay, yeah, that was. I was like, did she say rewind? She did. 
They, I get chills, and then it goes. They rewind back in time. Like it's just, it's so good. And then you really see what how you're like, mm, oh, uh, that's what just, just happened. So and I didn't realize. I don't think when I first saw the musical, when we actually saw it, um, but maybe it was reading the names or something that the actors like were doing double time. Like, oh, I know what it was because you. Okay, so do you know because it. They don't make it obvious, but the the actors play two yes. different roles. And the first act, the first and actor playing one character, and the second actor playing a second character. It took me to my second time to fully get that. Yeah, I feel like I had to read the name, where I was like, "Oh wait," or but it was something. But at the beginning, where it's like, "I died for him, uh-huh. I loved him." Like, they the those things also make sense because like the son and the the guy both like died for him, and like Peggy plays like his good friend, but also the woman. Who he, she's like, I loved him. But it's like the things that they say at the beginning go for like both of the oh. roles they play. It's so crazy. It's like, I, oh. yeah. yes. But anyway. Yes. Well, well I'm just going to tell you. So oh, the yeah, bug yeah, bit, yeah. I'm like pointing off screen, <laughs> like whatever. So, so, but for Rent, the only way I could introduce this musical that meant so much to me was the movie, which is again, I just wish they would do a version of them singing every word for the true fans. Like, could you I please? Know. But anyway. Um, and, but so, you know, the movie, it's, it's the first thing he's kind of like, it's cool. And then he watched a YouTube of this woman who's like going off on it. Cause she's like a jaded New Yorker that like hated it, that everyone loved it, you know? So he like had attitude about it, which I was like, Ooh, this is like one of our first conflicts. Cause I need, it meant so much to me. <laughs> so also wanting to go because it's like, you need to see it in the theater. Cause it's a whole moment. It's the same, like how Hamilton is mm-hmm. one set. It's yeah. the same with rent. It's one set. And they, innovated and there's like a rock band and i've never had that you know it's like it's such an experience and too like they all my inner artists like seeing this tick tick boom and even hamilton they're about people pursuing their dreams against all of the different odds and one thing again going back to tick tick boom like Mm -hmm. seeing michael who took a full-time job to like survive like folks that being an artist is so hard and it's like winning the lottery it doesn't necessarily mean that like the most talented people or the, even the most driven people. Yeah. It sometimes is like, it is like Correct. winning the lottery. And I have no, like, mm-hmm. you know, even myself, like I, you know, moved into a full-time job this like past mm-hmm. year. And so just seeing Michael's journey hit very close to home where it's like, sometimes you're just like, shit, I just want to like, not have to like He's, struggle. I don't want to leave yes, I don't. Yeah. And step over nope. people in the hallway. It's like, is that so wrong? Mm, and it's like, yeah. no. So, Yeah. And, and that was the other thing. It's interesting because when I discovered the musical, I was at a certain age. And it was like, I don't yeah. want to pay rent. And when I was showing Chad, he's like, but you got to pay rent. Why did they pay rent? Nope. For I was like, you can't. But even now, <laughs> you know, watching that at a different age, you're like, no, I get oh, everybody's yeah, point. You absolutely. Know? It's not cute showering in your kitchen <laughs> now. I, th- I used to think that was nope. cool. It's like, that's not, uh-uh. that's not for me. Yeah, paying that yeah. rent song. Like, how am I going to pay my rent? Oh, man. Hit so close to home. <laughs> All right, it is time to get into the main corner. So we both have seen The Harder They Fall on Netflix. And it is I'm here to tell the truth about the actual cowboys and cowgirls that the movie is kind of based on the uh, Mm, like inspired yeah, like, by oh, they saw a name and we're like let's write a story about this person so when we come back from the break yes. we're gonna dive into how the heart the harder they actually fall the real life 
characters and human beings that did exist that I you oh, maybe did, did not recognize when I tell you who they really were and what they really did. Hey everyone, it's I, John Hodgman of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. And I, Elliot Kalin of the Flophouse podcast. And we've made a whole new podcast, a 12-episode special miniseries called iPodius, in which we recap, discuss, and explore the very famous 1976 BBC miniseries about ancient Rome called I, Claudius. We've got incredible guests such as Gillian Jacobs, Paul F. Tompkins, as well as star of I, Claudius, Sir Patrick Stewart, and his son, non-sir Daniel Stewart. Don't worry, Dan, you'll get there someday. iPodius is the name of the show. Every week from MaximumFun.org for only 12 weeks. Get them at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! I'm Pee Wee Herman. You might know me from TV, but I really want to be a DJ. It took some convincing, but KCRW finally agreed to give me an hour on the radio to play you some music with my friends. <laughs> anyway, tune in for one hour of the bestest, most funnest time you'll ever have on the Pee Wee Herman Radio Hour. I am personally inviting you to tune your transistor radio in to hear me or go to kcrw.com. Duh. <laughs> It'll be available for the whole week from November 26th to December 3rd. So you can listen to it again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> the Pee Wee Herman Radio Hour was produced by Maximum Fun and can be streamed on kcrw.com until December 3rd. <laughs> How did they fall? How did they fall? <laughs> Jay-Z <laughs> produced it. How did they fall? Oh, that's right. All right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I will say stylistically, I did really like it was like this style. like the style. It Very was stylistic. Quentin Tarantino esque, but like black people doing it, so it was even yeah. better. I yeah. love the style of it. I almost wish that they sh- would have just done a black western and not based it on these real life people because it just it was like but none of this is dope and so you're right history is always poorly history is already poorly told in the united states and Correct. so now i'm afraid that there's too many people are gonna be like oh this is what happened and it's and and maybe they were trying and to like you know we have these tall, yeah or they have like the, the tall tales i feel like maybe they were trying to do like the mm. tall tales for like black folks you mm-hmm, know like these mm-hmm. larger than life characters and folks but I think I just would have rather, and they did it very much. Even the sound effects were like pew, pew, pew. Like they did very like Western sound effects. So directed and co-screenplay writer James Samuel. I did. I enjoyed it. It took me two, it took me two sittings to get through it. Uh, I think I started it too late and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'll come back to this. (laughs) It took me two different times. I love it. I appreciate that it exists. And I know you know, during the Thanksgivings, a lot of folks in the family were like, ooh, the harder they fall, the harder they fall. And my brain had to, like, shut off and not be like, well, that's not what actually really happened. Mm. And this character, why'd they do this? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not trying to shit on people's parades, especially black folks who are just trying to, like, you know, yeah. see some black excellence. Exactly. And I, like a black Western, it's just, it's so, it's it's rare. So yeah. I appreciate that it exists. Yeah. I'm not a Western fan, so I was resistant, but I was like stellar cast and same thing. It's like it looks like there's excellence. And then just how it was done was well done. So I'm just 
putting my two cents in there too. Of just like where we're at, temperature check before you break it all the way down. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I have a love and appreciation for it, but I want to tell y'all the real stuff. So you watched it. I'm going to set some record straight about some of these folks you saw and you're going to be like, where was that person on the screen? Like I didn't even see it. I'm going to put a caveat. There's one person we're not going to talk about okay. because I already did like a corner. You'll we'll link it in the show notes. We already dived in deep on this person who I love so much and was like, she deserves her own movie. Mm. And that is Mary Fields, stagecoach Mary, mm. who is played by Zazie Beats. Now, if you, we talked about this on the show before, you look at a picture of Stagecoach Mary. Have you seen Stagecoach Mary? Yeah, tangentially, but she's <laughs> hardcore. She is hardcore. Right she, yeah. I love Zazie, looks nothing Ooh. like light skinned Zazie Beats. Like that was just like, and again, even Hollywood, and if it's a black film, still falling into this colorism idea. And so we'll link it in the show notes. Maybe we'll even do a Minority Corner bonus episode so you yeah. can just hear all about Miss Mary Fields, Stagecoach Mary, who's just, <laughs> uh, I, we will do that for the listeners in case you missed it. We'll do an MK Rewind because mm -hmm. she as her, she just is amazing. And the movie didn't do her justice, which is why I just think they should have just done a black Western and not tried yeah. to. Just be they inspired. Just really tried, like, yeah, because yeah. Ozzy, like uh, Stagecoach Mary didn't wear like a she bustier. was known for like, dressing like a man. Like she wasn't wearing a sexy bustier running a saloon. That was not Stagecoach Mary. She was getting drunk, fighting, and was yeah. best friends with with a nun and helped a nun out. Her her sister friend. Aww. I think she got kicked out of a nunnery once too. But anyway, so checks out. We're not even going to talk about that one because we've already went over it. So we'll we'll either we can revisit that episode or we'll do an MK rewind. Love it. But I do want to talk about Treacherous Trudy. Oh, yeah. Played oh, I love. By Regina King. Mm -hmm. And that was my first, that was my whole entire thing that brought me to this movie. I was like, oh, Regina King? I, will I think me too. The, or I was like, yeah, I'll watch uh, it. Yeah. I'm like, and anything she's going to sign up for, I'm like, okay, Regina knows what she's doing. Like, yeah, you know, she does. She, 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 she's, so there is little information, there's little information about the real woman behind Treacherous Trudy. Hmm. So Regina King just kind of really did a lot of her own stuff she's like there's maybe one image but there's just not a lot of written history about her i uh, she so regina king was like yeah when i did my google dive on gertrude smith which i love that regina king because i tell i prepare for like roles as well i do a lot of googling uh -huh. and i just love that regina <laughs> king's also using the same tools as me Aww. so yeah she just couldn't really find a lot but we know that uh treacherous trudy came from the Barbary Coast in San Francisco. Oh. And then uh, she was very well-traveled. I believe that she was a pickpocket. And uh, about it's only really not a lot. And so that's why well, Regina was King was like, well. treacherous. She was very treacherous. So I just feel like name. like she was probably really good at what she did. And that's why she's like, yeah, my name's not in the streets like that. Like, you don't oh, know my right. misdeeds because I kept it right and tight. But people who needed and to know you knew. Or you need to ask somebody. If you knew too much, yeah, you were, yeah, you were out. No and I do want yeah. to say this: the movie does open with this quote. It says, "While the events of the story are fictional, these people existed." So yes, they all existed, but this whole story is fabricated. Some of them were not even born around the same periods. Many oh. of them never met. 
This is like kind of like Jurassic Park when some of those dinosaurs were never even living at the same time. Oh, yeah. Some were from the Jurassic area, some were from the Triassic area. Oh, like, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. you're right. So spot on about the tall tales then. And they should have just like played it up or because you're right. People aren't going to take the time to research. They're going to take it as fact. And so, yeah. And these are real historical people who are doing real things that do go against what we would think of, you know, and it's, it is important to see that represented if you're going to do it, if you're going to call them out by yes. name. And that's why I feel like when you hear these stories that all these folks deserve actually their own story. And so that's why it kind of seems a little like, Oh man, this is what you like. Again, it's you just ensembled them. <laughs> For example, Cuffy, who is played yeah. by Danielle Deadweiler is based on Kathy Williams. And okay. so with Kathy, we get our LGBTQ re representation. Um, potentially the way that Danielle played the role, kind of uh, trans mask, has some feelings for Stagecoach Mary, which yeah. they, there's some there's some romantic past between them. Yeah. So Kathy Williams is based on this real life woman who lived in the 1800s. In her early life, and see what movie, this might make you think of a different movie. And then you're going to be like, why did she get her, why, why didn't they get their own movie? Uh, in their <laughs> early life, Kathy Williams was an enslaved worker on a plantation in Missouri. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> during the start of the Civil War, Union forces, they were, you know, occupied the city she was working, that they were working in. She's like, oh, okay, this is a mess. <laughs> and at the time, the Union considered captured enslaved persons to be contraband, and they forced oh, yeah. Williams to work. And, and many support roles in the army and Williams has been known to serve as both a cook, a, 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 someone who did like the laundry. But mm -hmm. after the civil war on November 15th, 1866, Cathay, actually, I don't even think it's Kathy. It's Cathay. Mm -hmm. It's C-A-T-H-A-Y. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cathay Williams. <laughs> uh, broke the, the prohibition that was in place against uh, women serving in the military and enlisted in the army disguised Ooh. as a man <gasps> using the name William Cathay. I know, right? Whoa. This needs its own movie and story. Completely. Don't just lump. Yeah. Don't just lump Cuffy up into this. And so... While many women actually served in various forms of the United States military over the years, Cathay is the first documented African-American woman to enlist. Uh, wild. I had no idea. Wow. No idea. Maybe they will Her all friend, get their own story. That would be amazing. And I'd be oh, here no, for all of them. Good. And to hear like the backstory. Because they did like hint. They're like, you got a backstory. And they're like, I'm not here to talk about that. And they show treacherous like, oh, she she lives mm. on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so uh, Cathay's friends uh, and their cousin were also fellow soldiers in the regiment and were the only two who are known to have been aware of uh, her true identity, uh, which is also kind of similar to there's some of the folks in The Heart of They Fall, like, know that, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that uh, Cathay was born a woman but mm -hmm. is presenting as, as male. Uh, and so, like, even that, so I'm also wondering, I'm like, okay, how many, there's only, from my knowledge, there were two black regiments. So that means when we think about the movie Glory, they were missing mm. Cafe Williams up in there, but maybe they were there and we didn't even notice. Uh, right. Like, that wasn't the point. Again, like, they were keeping <laughs> it tight. So it's not, no, Keeping no leaks. Because it. truly, mm -hmm. it's a matter of life and death. So it's like, yeah, you didn't know. You're not supposed to know. That's yeah. wild. They just had William so, yeah. on record. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And they were treated for I uh, so they were treated for smallpox, but the doctors either didn't notice um, or declined to mention it. So maybe some, but but maybe they were just such a badass in the army. They're like, okay, well, Cathay or wow. uh, William William Cathay mm-hmm. just needs to be doing their thing. So afterward, after yeah. the war, they were like, okay. Um, eventually, Cathay did marry a man. Uh, and her husband was arrested and afterward moved to Trinidad, Colorado. Oh, wow. oh what? Oh, this is a twisty story. <laughs> I, Trinidad, I didn't even, Colorado? All, didn't even know there was a Trinidad, no. Colorado. Um, <laughs> so this is where uh, their military service became public knowledge and was published in the St. Louis Daily Times. Shout out. And eventually applied for a disability pension based on their military service but to suffice um a precedent for approving such pensions for white women mm-hmm. who have been serving the military in disguise hmm. guess what Cathay was denied oh so, yeah and i will say the one thing is that like wow. what's always kind of difficult about using modern day terminologies or at least westernized terminologies on historical figures is like well we don't know and so i'm i'm hesitant to to label them as trans but not to Mm. say that but i do in the way that we look at things i know that trans like folks have always existed Mm -hmm. um, because there's always people who um lived outside of you know traditional ideations or Mm -hmm. understanding of how gender existed Mm -hmm. but because they're not alive to identify for themselves and i i i won't um but Got i will it. say in the movie they never cafe themselves never identifies themselves as any specific gender mm-hmm. um when they talk bass reeves played by delroy lindo uh when cuffy avoids always never doesn't even avoid gendering themselves they just don't yeah um when they have to put on a dress it yeah. is like murder and yes. death for them because that's antithetical to who they are right and they said you know when they wanted to grow up they said i always kind of wanted to be a deputy a sheriff or a marshal person mm. and that person was like emphasis emphasized uh, so, yeah yeah so that's that is Cuffy who is in the movie. That's all that missing. All that just yeah, missing. yeah. Though they were one of my favorite characters. But same, yeah. absolutely. But I even thought they would have been a better pick to play um, Stagecoach Mary. Mm-hmm. You know, like they seemed even more in line. But like, they were doing yeah. that leading lady thing. The they Hollywood were like, okay. Jonathan Majors needs a leading lady. Yeah. She's really cute. She has I to. thought Zazie did a great job with the role and getting that gruffness of, um, but it's just like, you know. I feel like her Zazie- outfit was such an outfit that it was distracting. <laughs> I was like, a top hat? Like, that's just the, the you know, <laughs> like, it was a top, a top hat, a bustier, and a you know, skirt. And like a long, a yeah, it's just like. Yeah. It's almost it's just a little distracting because it's like you're trying to transcend, but it's like, oh, you're clearly just like propping Zazie up, who is hardcore. Like she can be that way. Uh, so it's like yeah. give her you don't have to do her like that. You know, she is like undeniably cool. She's undeniably beautiful. Like you don't have to play it up for that to be there. And it's almost cooler to not, you know, but mm, I haven't yeah. had any green lit script. So let me not. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but maybe we need some of your scripts to help. I just like, I don't know who put her in again, that outfit. It just that like, outfit. Already... it was such an outfit, you know, it was like, it ah, was. versus like there, the costuming was great, but it's like not a boost. Like no one's doing corset, but then has a shotgun and <laughs> just like, 
where there's a cowboy hat, but then you're at a top hat. I don't know. Yeah. It could have been cool. But she should have had on like so. maybe like a fitted coat and like a vest or something or, you know, like where it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Similar don't to know. how they styled coffee. I just don't understand. Just copy and paste. Just do the same thing over there. Yeah. So we'll talk about the lead who is our lovely and talented Jonathan Major. Yeah, really cool. Really so good. He plays Nat Love. So let's talk about Nat Love. Okay. So much of what we know about Nat Love comes from his 1907 autobiography titled A-A-A-M. The Life and Adventures of Nat Love, better known in the cattle country as Deadwood Dick. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really giving you one of those. Yet to you know someone's got like that's an artist or a, a, a diva and I mean that in a great way of like someone mm. who knows their worth yeah like there was like that Mariah Carey album that was like the man it was a long ass title uh-huh the emancipation the emancipation like, of Mimi, but it went on for like yes to know. You know the whole story <laughs> so but the one thing about this autobiography is it's debated about how much is actually fact or just self-purposing mythology so we, we they're, they're not exactly sure but we just kind of go off of this but i love in it. the autobiography nat love writes that he was born a slave in 1854 in tennessee uh, where he learned to break horses on his on his owner's mm. plantation mm-hmm. and after the homestead act which allowed former slaves to claim land in expanding america uh, he rode out west and became a ranch hand in kansas just mm. traveling around <laughs> and then over the years, he was roving around in the West. He was herding steers, like a legit cowboy. Like correct, again, right? <laughs> like, this is like breaking horses cowboy. and working with steers. Yeah. And again, like there was a lot, like a lot of cowboys were black, but were so often yeah. erased from the narrative of what cowboys were. And so he was, you know, herding steers. He was also winning co- t- contests and and roping, um, mm-hmm. saddling and shooting, Excelling. earning the moniker. Deadwood Dick for his pro S, his pow S. So, however, that nickname was also claimed by five other people. So, there is also like so much legend and myth to it. Who knows who's all stories is is part of who. And so, he also shares stories of riding up to about 100 miles uh, a day fighting um and, and part of his myth that he wrote he, he's fighting mexicans and, and native americans who he um often refers to as bloodthirsty redskins so oh, no. not great getting caught up in that manifest that listen that white supremacy american yeah ideology yeah pitting everybody gets, against um, each other sadly he'd probably be on fox news today so oh, you there think? is that and i mean by this this is like Fox News propaganda here. So there's he's Stacey Dashing right now. That's what oh, we're seeing. Oh, no. He it, and he is Stacey Dashing because we're like, wow, that person's so cool. Love them and clueless. And totally. Then breaks my heart. And then it's like, you said what? Up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he was also uh, befriending other cowboy icons like Buffalo Bill, Billy the Kid. Mm-hmm. And they were out there doing doing the damn thing. So. There's a lot of people aren't really sure if this happened to him or not. But here's what we do know is that this story did his stories that you hear in the autobiography 
surely happened to countless other black cowboys mm. when on similar adventures. So mm -hmm. you are getting a little bit of a, uh, a taste of it. And as Texas was developed into a cattle capital in the early 19th century, slaves played an integral role in managing livestock, accounting for a quarter of the region's settler population in 1825. Mm. And after the Civil War, many former slaves became paid cowhands and cowboys, shepherding herds of hundreds of miles in between trading centers like Denver and Kansas City. So the natural progression, true cowboys. Yeah. And apparently one in four cowboys at the peak of the westward expansion were black. How many what? One in four. One in four. Wow. But you don't see you that. You don't ever hear often. that. It would be an anomaly. Yeah. But it was actually a natural progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me see if I can just hit on two that were pretty prominent prominent in here. So I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Rufus Black, played by Idris Elba. I roll. I don't know why I just have like, I know. What's I know. the eye roll? For this... the character? For the actor? What? Actor. I just had this feud with Idris Elba. What's I the feud? Look, I'm already ready to be on board. Just tell me. Why are we mad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You he don't? Just... I do know. It just, he... <laughs> I think it was around one of these times when I was a, a, a struggling actor and there was all these British actors, these black British actors coming over here and taking our jobs. And Samuel Jackson was like, they're taking our jobs. And I'm like, you right, Samuel Jackson. <laughs> they are taking our jobs. So I have a little bit of that going on. Okay. Plus, he just, I mean, do you see him in the, in the wire? I sometimes just have a difficulty separating no. the art from the artist. His character in the wire was all was bad. All bad, nothing good. And then he plays this character, Rufus Black, all bad, nothing mm -hmm. good. So. Just more of a scene. I just know and he was he dated COVID, K. Michelle. Like, That's when I was like, hmm, mm -hmm. interesting choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. He just, and he was like spoiling Marvel stuff. He just has like, he's too cool for school, out here yeah. DJing. I just like, pick a line. You know how I don't like it when people don't pick lanes. I, I have heard about that. <laughs> Full circle. Pick a lane, just Alba. Okay, so side and eye. Also, it's also, I have a lot of side eye from him. I can't. I don't, I can never, I can't, I can't do away with it. I just, it's there. And I'm sorry, everybody. No, I understand just... it actually. So yeah. And then when he got like, he got COVID and like Oprah did a big 30 minute sit down with him and it was just was silly. He just was like, nothing was wrong. He just like, yeah, me and my girlfriend are just quarantining. And just like, why are we here for 30 minutes? What are we hearing about? Nothing. Oh, you didn't really have any symptoms and okay. Fun. <laughs> okay. Here we go. But so, in real, yes. Well, mm -hmm. just when I have an issue with people, if they're playing like bad or weird, then it's like I can get on board because yes. it's like, okay, you know, so he was the criminal. He was it all makes bad. It easier. It does make yeah, it easier. It's like, mm -hmm, see how we do. He, he was looking at you, Terrence acting. Howard. That was unnecessary. He didn't <laughs> ask for that. It's the holidays. I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, Terrence Howard, I mean, man, did oh. he talk himself out of a major deal of, like, with Marvel of just, like, he, it's just unfortunate. Like, oh, man. And then Don Cheadle just stepped right Boop, in. boop, boop. We love him. Snatched love to it. see him. So here is, again, this movie just going off the going off the walls again why did you name these characters this if you're just gonna do your own thing so in real <laughs> life Ruf rufus buck uh didn't make it past 18. oh wow i think i you know he Idris Elba, 
bad. No. <laughs> Grown. I, you should almost be on a zaddy. He's just a daddy at this point, right? <laughs> like, he just... And so he's just trying to. What is he like? A uh, actor on nine hundred two and zero, trying to play a high schooler. What's going on here? <laughs> so I straight up. And and Buck was born in the late eighteen seventies. So already, if Nat Love was born a slave, and there are two antagonists in this movie, yeah, these two people never met. And so there's an entire movie set around these two people having this like feud, this fight. Feud. Ain't never, ain't never met. No. no, no. And so he was the son of a black mother and a Creek and a Creek Indian father. In the yeah. 1890s, Buck created a gang with the other black and Creek Indian teens and proceeded to rampage through Arkansas and Oklahoma, robbing stores, killing a U.S. deputy marshal and allegedly violently beating and um, raping their victims. Holy so, cow. I was going to say he had to be bad if great. he passed when he was 18, but had such a but then you laid it out like, yep. There it is. So it's like, what there could have he done in his 18? Like, oh, okay, yeah, got it, <laughs> oh, yeah. got it, got it, got it, got it. So, yeah, did not make it past 18. You can see why. Mm. Historians say that Buck's terrorizing was not without purpose, though. He strove to incite a Native American uprising I that figured. would wrest or Arkansas and Oklahoma back from the white settlers who were encroaching upon Indian territory in overwhelming numbers. And apparently his, his dream was impossible, and he used the same violence to achieve it um, that he was like he was against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <gasps> still so an interesting in 18- story though. Like mm-hmm. that still would have been yeah. an interesting character, especially like, you know, just even being born of the, those two worlds fighting against a third, you know, you know, like all that is complicated. That's an interesting character tortured, you know? Yeah. Anti-hero I think like even that would have given him a little bit more like he's still terrible, but it would give him a bit more depth. And I guess, again, still, why did they name these characters? They should have just called him like Trinidad Guthrie. Yeah, that yeah. that's been, true. Like, You're like, oh, here, here he comes Trinidad, Trinidad. Guthrie. <laughs> that's all we needed. We didn't need like, It'd oh, we're going to name him Rufus Buck. And then do but not nothing honor with Rufus his Buck's actual story. Like, yeah, they got Google. I mean, they should have consulted <laughs> Regina King. She could have Googled all of these characters and helped them yeah. write their story. She's like, I'm already here at the keyboard. All you have to do is ask. <laughs> what you need? You need a Rufus Buck? I got you. Let me print out some pages. I'll email it to you. And so then in 1896, the U.S. deputy marshals and police tracked down the gang outside of uh, Oak Mulgee, engaging in a day-long gunfight that ended with the gang's surrender. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Not day-long. And uh, luckily for Buck's gang, their cases fell under the purview of Judge Parker, who was known as the Hanging Judge. And so, uh, obviously, sentenced these boys to death. Mm. And many, many men had been hanged there for murder over the previous decades. Um, so there's a lot of famous people who had been been hung there. Mm. And the Supreme Court, I guess, upheld the verdict, and the quintet was executed on the same day. That's quick turnaround from the Supreme Ooh, Court. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They're like things have to be done today. Today. Oof. Okay. Last one, real quick. We'll just talk about Bass Reeves, Delroy Lindo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born a slave and escaped to Indian Territory as a young man. And wow. some accounts say that he fled after killing his enslaver in a dispute. That's already a movie. To- I mean, the end could have been him like being victorious. There's a whole story. That's nothing to gloss over. 
that's what I'm saying. Like all of these are so rich, and I just feel like it's again. That's the why whole did they say story. That these, these people. We got him after all of these that. People <laughs> need all of their own movies. So yeah, some accounts say that he fled after killing his enslaver. Um, and he proceeded to live among the Cherokee, Creeks, and Seminoles mm -hmm. until emancipation made him a free man. And then in 1875, he signed out to be a marshal. And uh, he recruited hundreds of new officers to attempt to bring law to a territory full of violence and subterfuge. Um, and the judge, wild. He, <laughs> the judge that he became, he became a marshal underneath Judge Isaac Parker, who was the hanging judge. Okay. So, story kind of um, so Reeves was a dope ass lawman. He people were like, "Oh, he good," and mm -hmm. it's because he, for many reasons, he spoke several languages. Wow. He was a diligent detective and an honest shooter. It's like like this was in the movie. He was very good at his job. Yeah. And legend has it that when he was barred from, he was barred from turkey shots at picnics and fairs because he would win too easily. So they're like, "Oh, you can't be shooting these turkeys. You gonna win." <laughs> He's an honest, honest shot. Will they say an honest shooter? Mm -hmm. He had a legendary mustache and nice legendary disguises. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes posing as a cowboy or con man to win the trust of his target. So again, so the first undercover cop. He was. He was like, let me go undercover. Wow. Uh, he was it's the, he also was... something to mention that you can go undercover, but you also have a legendary mustache. Like, Right, because he wasn't probably like you know shooting that like shaving it off, or was he? Oh, plot twist again. He needs his own movie, if not Netflix series. He arrested his own son Benjamin because his own son was charged with killing his wife. Holy cow! This is a plot series. You're right. Twist. When you get to that, I'm like, oh, that's episode seven. It like, is. Can't even fit this in a movie. It's true. Right? It's episode seven. <laughs> wow. And then Cerise so was the longest serving deputy U.S. Marshal in Indian Territory, holding his post for 32 years. Mm. And some believe that Reeves was the basis for the Lone Ranger. Aww. Yeah. And See, just I just hate that, that you don't get your yeah. due. Don't so it's like, oh, so they did make a movie. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yep. And they made him white. But, oh, good news. Good <laughs> okay. news. Yeah. Um, Oh, he was a character in The Watchmen. This article says that he, I would, he showed know. his character in The Watchmen. Oh, the, the show, show or the movie? The show. He said, yeah. Okay, with, with, with Regina also. Regina. That makes sense. She's like, get that Bass Reeves over here. I can Google yeah. all about him. Get him over here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank God. Where would we be without her? And he's also going to be the subject of a new TV series from Morgan Freeman's production company. So more from Bass Reeves coming up soon for y'all. Okay, cool. So those are a few of the characters. Again, we're not even going to Stagecoach Mary. She's a whole other thing. We'll do. I'll link it. Go back and listen to that story. Dive into Stagecoach Mary. She's so dope. Uh, we'll also maybe do a Minority Corner Rewind. And those are some of the real life folks who they I mean, I don't even know if they like they, they touched the iceberg tip of the iceberg. They looked at the iceberg like it, they've heard of the iceberg more... but didn't want to share it with us. Yeah. Again, I just think like. Like, this is where I go off the rails with the heart or the where my wheels fall off at the heart or they fall off. Just like they should have just named all of these people or something else like um, a sad face Samantha <laughs> or like uh, double cross. Oh, Debbie yeah. You got You something. need a double cross in there. Yes. 
<laughs> oh man. They could have just had so much more fun with the story as opposed to using those musical characters. All that being said, all of these folks need their own story told, so get to it, Hollywood. Well, there you have it. It's another successful show. So good, so good, so good. Let's bring Jennifer Covington on back for next week because I feel like I need her to get me ready for this holiday season and not, you know, there's just a lot. And who better to do it than our own personal life coach, Jennifer Covington. So she'll be back next week. And, you know, as soon as I hopped off with Jennifer Covington, I'll link this in the show notes or you can find it on the YouTubes. But there's this really great video of Andrew Garfield and Lin-Manuel Miranda breaking down uh, the acapella scene and Tick, Tick, Boom uh, and just how they made it work. And there's so much there's so much thought and detail that went into this film. There's actual painting in Jonathan Larson's room that was an actual painting that was actually there. Uh, one of the uh, Jonathan Larson's producers of his of his shows, she's in the movie in that scene playing one of like the older lesbian couple. Uh, there's just so much amazing detail. It's such a love letter and such a beautiful, beautiful send up. So a really great video. They're just nerding out about the amazing work they did. All the roses, all the all the awards. So let us know what you think, because, you know, Lori's going to be posting something on the social media. So let us know. I'm curious. And uh, yeah, there it is. I hope you survived your Thanksgiving. And uh, next week, Jennifer Covington will be back to help us understand how we can survive the rest of the holiday season. Because uh, it might be tough. It might be tough. This fam families be wildin', friends be wildin'. So, all right. Well, we're gonna get out of here. So, a big thank you to our amazing editor and producer Sarah Brown and our wonderful amazing production coordinator Lori Fowler and we can't do the show without you our amazing listeners so thank you for listening and thank you to the Maximum Fund members for membering is that a thing and uh, we love you so much thank you for listening to Minority Corner because together we're the majority Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.